Hope you brought your Bibles with you or you could turn them on as we continue through our book of our study through the book of Acts in Acts chapter 8. We're going to pick up on a story today of a man who discovered the one thing that changes everything. The man who discovered the one thing that changes everything. And today as we study this together, I hope that you see two things. One that there is a God that is relentlessly pursuing you. Love this phrase, the lost can truly be found. Amen? Is that true? That the lost can be found. And what we're gonna watch is the story of a man named Philip who was just a common man who God uses in a miraculous way to let go of what was familiar, to go through a step of obedience and to be used by God in such a profound way that ultimately the gospel is going to continue to go through this fulfilling process of seeing the gospel spread around the world. In fact, the fact that you and I have, have the privilege of calling ourselves Christ followers today was because of the fact that God was on the move doing something tremendous. Brothers and sisters, the lost can be found. I love this story. You might have heard of it. Um, back in August of 1923, Frank and Elizabeth Brazier, with their daughters, Leona and Nova, they were from Oregon. They were visiting their friends in Indiana, Wilcott, Indiana. And their two-year-old Scottish Collie shepherd, English Shepherd mix dog, Bobby, was attacked in their friend's yard, and it ended up, Bobby ended up running away. They searched everywhere for Bobby. They were heartbroken because they had to continue on in their journey. And so they ended up leaving, uh, assuming that they would never see Bobby again. And then in February of 1924, six months later, at their home in, in Oregon, the dog walks up. And as he walks up, they see that his paws are rubbed, he's scrawny, he's dirty, he's mangy, as he returns to Silverton, Oregon. And with his toenails wore down, they see signs of him walking this entire distance. And as this became public, they shared the story. We missed, most of us missed this because it was kind of a generation before us, but Bobby became quite a celebrity. And there would be stories that would come forth of, of where he was seen and how he was sighted. And what was amazing about his journey is that when they left from Indiana, they continued on on their vacation and he was sighted at these spots and then and the rest stops where they stayed. And then, so, so the six month pursuit and, and at the end of this time, you just say, it's unbelievable. But I want to speak to you this morning. I want to remind you of something. I want you to hear this, that the God that invented you pursues you with that same kind of relentlessness, that he knows your name. He knows where you're at. His GPS is perfect. And so when you stand back, and some of you do this, I actually hear this, and it, it grieves me. When some of you imply that God's forgotten you or that he's ignoring you, he doesn't know what your struggles are. Because for many of us, the struggles today might feel overwhelming, too big, too large, too heavy. When you feel forgotten, I just want to remind you gently from God's word that actually God knows your needs more than you do. In fact, we're going to watch him use this man, Philip, to be a utensil of his 
to actually intersect with the man who had to be disappointed with God at this stage in his life, that he'd been pursuing God, he'd been seeking him, and, and ultimately there's this declaration that he makes where he's like, how can I learn without somebody to teach me? And, and at the end of the day, what happens is that the joy of the Lord becomes his strength. It changes everything in his life. And, and the gospel continues to advance. So we've, we've called this series, this unstoppable series, this unstoppable work of God. And, and, and we accept the fact that, that those who have been lost can be found. And if you pay attention this morning, it's not just a message to those of us who feel lost, but for those of us who have been found, we have this privilege to be a part of advancing that truth to those who desperately need it. It's such a privilege for us. The Lord says this. We know this about the Lord. It says that he came to seek and to find that which was lost. That's what Jesus is doing. For some of us, that may be our story. And those of us that have been found, we have the privilege of guiding the lost if we obey the leadership of the Lord the loss can truly be found. The price of admission for this, though, this, this is going to be obedience. And in the case of Philip, the man that we're going to study together today, it's really interesting if you can go back and imagine what had happened. If you've been joining us throughout the series, what's great is the tech team's doing a marvelous job of, of recording the sermons. And so you can go catch up where we've been in the book of Acts. And what we've seen through the book of Acts as we've studied this together is that the Lord is at work. He's, he's continuing to advance the message of the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. And the man, Philip, who's at the focus of this message is, is going to be someone who his ministry went from him being someone who had obeyed the call of the Lord as a man who was called to serve his people in a unique way, widows and orphans, to care for the needs of others. And then God blows up his ministry, takes him to Samaria. Things are amazing what's happening. The church is growing. Miracles are happening all around him. And then in the middle of that time period, God says to him, Philip, I want you to go to a desert road in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and you can't help but, really, but hear this. And, and, and if I can put myself in Philip's shoes, I'm going, what? What, what do you want me to do? You, Lord, Lord, there's so much happening here. There's so many things that are profound that's happening around us. And yet what Philip does is, he, this is so great. We're going to see this in the text today. It literally says that he ran to follow the Lord's call. As we approach God's word this morning, I wonder for each one of us if we could ask ourselves the question, what, what does the level of obedience look like in our lives? I, I don't know if you're running to obey the Lord. If we say the loss can be found, that, that it requires an act of obedience, that's the price of admission. I, I wonder if it could be said of us that when God says go, we go. Like, like when God says go, like, we're in. Let's go. Let's figure out the details. Okay, I trust you. We, Allie and I have had pivotal times in our life where literally those were the words that she said to me. You believe God is in this, right? Well, then really the rest of it is just details. I don't know if that's how you've approached your life. It's interesting on this map, if you look at it with me, we'll kind of be tracking this. But with Philip, he is a man who like focuses in on Jerusalem. He leaves from Jerusalem, goes up to Samaria, Sebast, that city. And then in the text we're going to see today, he's going to go back to Jerusalem, and then he's going to make this, this journey from Jerusalem to Gaza. And, 
And as this pans out, you just have to understand that this was heading to the middle of nowhere. I've been in this region and still to this day, this journey is something that's desolate. It's, it's one of those things that he would have known what God was asking of him. And it would have been something that required his obedience. So you, you can picture this as being one of those places in, in Gaza where the modern Gaza Strip is that they would have been one of those last gas for miles kind of pit stops, you know. And so here is what the context is as we study God's word together. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25. Now, when they had testified and had spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, the they, that's here, these are the disciples. And if you were with us in the last few weeks, we understand the disciples were doing something that forced them to push down their prejudice, to, to be used by God to bring the gospel to the Samaritans. And this would not have been an easy calling to them. In fact, my guess is, is that rarely when God is involved, is the calling easy for us. And here, in their case, they, it required great obedience from them. And if you'll remember right, there was a great persecution that was happening in Jerusalem. So they're going out of the frying pan into the pot, if you will. They're continuing to obey the Lord with their, their acts of obedience. And so we see that in verse 25. Then in 26, now an angel of the Lord, a messenger of the Lord, says to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. That little parenthetical statement would have been for those of us who aren't familiar with that geography. But Philip knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, I want you to look at that sentence with me for a second. Do you notice that he didn't say, I want you to go meet the Ethiopian eunuch that's going to be waiting for you, that's ready to hear? Uh, what, what do you notice when you look at this text? You, you actually notice, like he's just telling him that I want you to go to a place on a road. There's not even a destination that's clear here. Just, just obey me. I don't know how you receive the work of God in your life, but I will tell you that this has been a part of the story of my life, is that God has done things like this. Like, hey, buddy, I want you to go do this thing. I'm asking you to do something. We are, we are in a country that is predominantly Muslim, visiting with my family. I was around 16 years old, getting ready to go into a mosque that was a tour with my parents. Mom and dad, this was before cell phones. I'm that old, sorry. Uh, and um, I got separated from my parents. And I ended up talking to two Muslim men. And they invited me for coffee. Now, I went with them. I went and sat down with them, ended up talking with them for about an hour and a half. And in this process, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with these two men. They, they interacted with me. They, I ended up being able to have the privilege of giving a Bible to them, actually to both of them. And uh, they shared some literature with me. And, and it was just one of these incredible moments that, that as I'm going through this, I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm 16 years old in a country uh, that doesn't necessarily love me and that I haven't talked to my parents in over an hour. Uh, and ironically, when I come back out of this coffee shop, I end up seeing my parents walking out of the mosque. And I, I'm, they're probably watching right now so they can validate this, but I don't even know if they noticed that I was gone. Isn't that awesome? It was, it was one of those moments that, that God was like, hey, buddy, just want you to go do this. 
And I, in my life, it's been at times gas stations, it's been bike paths, it's been times where it's just been some obscure things where it's like, like this is just what I want you to do, this is what I want you to do. And it's rarely this audible arise, go to Nineveh, but it's just, I just have you in this place. And what I love about Philip is that it was a process that God was taking on. Let me tell you something about the God that I serve. The God that I serve doesn't care that much about destination. He really cares a lot about process. And what I mean by that is that he had a destination in mind with Philip. He didn't tell Philip what it was. He actually wanted Philip to obey him. Philip does. What we see in the text, we'll pick back up on it. Now um, in verse 27, and he arose and he went. So here he goes, last gasp for miles. This is, this is at the edge of the world, according to Israel, and what they had experienced and what was familiar. And even this man, Philip, was going to be a man that's going to obey the Lord. And, and in, in so many ways, this is so important for us when we talk about obedience to the Lord, is that obedience to the Lord means I get to join him in what he's doing. So I'm at work, he's doing this, God's doing this work, I get to join him in the process. Well, that's exactly what Philip gets to do. And, and, and it's important for us to accept that no one ever said that this was going to be easy. Picking back up in chapter 27, the second part of this, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. Now, I want to unpack a few things about this man. But the first thing that I want you to really catch is that he was a seeker of God. And he had, with this great expense, great energy, gone to Jerusalem to find out about where, what what God was, the story of God, what God was at work in. And you know what's interesting about this moment in history to me? is that he probably was a little disappointed right now. We know that he had a copy of scripture. Now, remember back then, the, the printing press hadn't been invented until the 1400s, right? So, so every copy of scripture had to be handwritten, super detailed, that it was transferred from one person to the next, and it would have been extremely expensive. He has in front of him a copy of the book of Isaiah, and he sought out God. We think that he was probably in Jerusalem at the time that Christ died that Christ was put on the cross for his sins. He's seeking him. He hasn't found him yet. And so now he's coming back. He's on his way back home, close to to the place that you and I know as Egypt. And as he's traveling back to Ethiopia to continue in his role, he's this man who was in a unique position of authority and wealth. As a eunuch, he could have been, it could have been a title for the treasure. He could have been emasculated. He could have been a servant that was a trusted royal servant under the queen. But here he is, this man who has been given his leave to seek the Lord. And in verse 28, it says he's returning. He's seated in his chariot. This was probably an axe-drawn wagon, so Philip didn't have to be a sprinter to catch up. And when he's reading the prophet Isaiah out loud, the spirit of God. This is God's work. He's actually going to advance the gospel to the Gentiles in a mighty way right now. And it's going to be awesome the way he's going to do this. And he, he nudges him and he says, hey, as you hear that man reading Isaiah, the spirit said to Philip, go over, join this 
chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, this is Philip, he's breathing heavy. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And then the response back to this man is, how can I do it unless someone guides me? I I just love this moment in history. I I love this moment for a couple of things, and I want you to catch this. I really catch this, is that people are precious to God whether they're special needs individuals, whether they're individuals that have been forgotten. In this case, this man had a label on him that he was a eunuch, he was of a different race, he, but he's precious to the Lord. Some of you in this room, I think this is awesome, that, that several years ago, I went to Peru on a missions trip, and some of you were on a, in Peru on a missions trip at that same time period. Our churches went kind of back to back, and so it's been fun for me to get to interact with some of you about that experience, but there was this one moment in Peru that was so profound for me, and it connects to this text beautifully, and that was at a garbage dump where people literally live and pick through the trash to get their food. I had this moment as we're visiting there trying to share food and share the gospel with the people who make their home in the smoking garbage dumps, that, that had this moment where I watched a missionary who in his language looked at a man who really was the poorest of the poor of the poor of the poor, picks through trash that's been picked through at least five times already for anything of value. In fact, I watched him bend over and pick up an apple that was just completely rotten and put it in his mouth. But as I watched that missionary, you know what struck me? is that God knows this guy's name and he loves him. He loves him so much that he sent this kid from from Wisconsin to school to learn Spanish so that this kid could look at this man and in his own language share the truth of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? You guys are asleep. That's that's so sad. It's awesome, isn't it? That, that, that God knows him so well, that he loves this man. In the world, the value of that man may have been great or it may have been small, but in this case, God cares him enough to seek and to save that which was lost. He's an Ethiopian. He's a man who is precious to God. And here comes Philip, and he's going to say, man, do you know what you're reading? You hear the gospel. You know what's awesome about this? Is that, that Philip knows God's word well enough that, that I would guess that in the Old Testament, if Philip could have chosen any text in the Old Testament to take this man to, to show him the work of Christ. If you study the context, and please do, as he's, he's quoting a text in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 8, that in the surrounding text, it talks about the gospel for the Gentiles. It even talks about God's plan for eunuchs. It's awesome. A couple chapters later, and, and here it is. He has this perfect text for him to be able to unravel the truth of the gospel for this man and Philip knows how to do it. So, so when an individual wants to find God, and for some of you in this room, this might be your story. Seeking God is a great way to find him. It really is. Seeking God is a great way to find him. You guys hear me say this, and I don't know if it resonates, but I used to study philosophy. It was one of my minors in college. I love tough questions. I think God loves tough questions too. I think he's okay with us to come to him and say, I don't understand this. I don't get this. What's going on? This eunuch would have been coming out of Jerusalem still with these deep questions. I sought you, God. Where were you? And you know what God was going to be? He was going to display himself in the voice of this man, Philip, And he's going to share this story 
that's going to be profound. And it's going to start with his seeking God's word. Hey, by the way, if you're seeking God, a great place to begin is the inspired word of God. That, that, that God's word is powerful. He, he loves you. When, when I've had the privilege of sharing the gospel, one of the, my favorite things to do is to say, just start reading the book of John. And you know, I, I can take a seminary degree, I can take experience, I can take apologetics, and I can hold all of those up. But if a person just sincerely reads the book of God, I've said this with, with some of you in the room, actually. That I'm just like, take a notepad. And, and what I say to you is just ask questions. Like, why in the world is Jesus interacting with a woman at the well? What's it mean to be born again? Why, why is this here? What's the, and, and these questions have great answers to them if you're seeking him. And that's what this man's doing. He's seeking the Lord. He, he wants something. I, I'm guessing he was frustrated. We know what frustrated means, right? We can get frustrated to the point of giving up. I love this story. We, we were watching fireworks last night. How many of you saw fireworks last night? A few of you. How many of you didn't want to see fireworks and your neighbors let you see fireworks? Of you? We, we, we were, in San Diego, I think it was around um, 2012, there was this great fireworks show that they did every year and, and um, they had advertised it and it was a big one. You can just picture everybody getting up early and finding their spots, maybe like some of you did yesterday. And they get to San Diego, um, they're in their place, the, the, it's time for the show to go off. And maybe you've seen the YouTube videos of this, but because of a glitch, literally all of the fireworks go off at one time. So it was, I heard the guy who was responsible for this, which is, is kind of a sad YouTube clip, to be honest. Like he's like, uh, well, it was supposed to be like 15 minutes and it was 30 seconds, you know? And so this, like, can you imagine all those people, they, they gotten everything together, they're ready for it, they're excited, this is what we're anticipating, and then, oh, it's over, right? Well, in this case, Philip would have had reason, I mean, the eunuch would have had reason to be disappointed, but he still sought the Lord. He's still studying scripture. Romans 10, 14 says this. This is an important passage of scripture for us to remember. Some of you have memorized it. It says, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how can, are they to hear without someone preaching? In other words, the very words that the eunuch is going to say in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone, did you catch this? In, in the ESV it says, unless someone guides me. I need a GPS, right? I need directions. I need truth. I need to understand where I'm supposed to go. At the end of verse 31, it says, and he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. And the text is going to quote Isaiah 53. I just want you to see if you can guess who we're talking about here. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who are we talking about here? It's okay, we're in church, right? This is Jesus, right? Like, and, and then, you know, what's amazing is that after him, that, that we know that there's going to be martyrs that follow this, but Jesus is in, in center view here. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this time period, for his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? This is a genuine, authentic question. God is not against genuine, authentic questions. His response back isn't, you fool. 
But instead, what happens is Philip does something that I'm afraid some of us don't know how to do. And it really, really makes me sad. Is that Philip does something. So he started the spiritual conversation. Like, what's going on? And now what Philip does is he, in verse 35, he opens his mouth. Why is that in there? I, I think it's to challenge some of us. Some of us need to learn how to open our mouths. We have hope, right? I hope so. It's not just the name of our church, right? That, that he opens his mouth, which actually is pretty hard to do today. Let's just be honest, right? Like we might risk something. We might risk our job. We might risk the benefits that we have. We might risk someone accusing us of something. But what Philip did was he opened his mouth, and then this is awesome, and beginning with this scripture, so it wasn't his first time that he'd heard of Isaiah, chapter 53, 7 through 8, he told him the good news about Jesus. So he's going to make this connection, and this connection is going to be so significant. Now just just remember that God's word's living. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's not a flat book that it's not alive, but God's going to use this, this powerful truth to speak to this man's heart. Some of you have said that before. You said, God spoke to me today. And my guess is when God does that, sometimes it's like this angel that's speaking it. But a lot of the times it's just God's word. It's being very spoken clearly, clearly to you. And so today, in this time in history, Philip speaks the truth of God's word. He starts with the passage the man's studying, and then he makes this great connection to the gospel. I like that Philip was aware of it. I like that the spirit of God and the word of God, using a man of God, is going to bring salvation to the people of God. It's just great. And so, so here it is. This is just a divine appointment. Philip made it to the appointment, right? He showed up. He, he didn't ignore the opportunity. He didn't oversleep. He didn't miss the memo. He obeyed the Lord. Uh, you know, I like a lot of things about this, but one of the things that I love about it is that Philip knew how to start spiritual conversations. Let me just ask you a question for those of you who are believers. Do you? Do you know how to start a spiritual conversation? You know, it's one of my go-tos. And, and I have to pre-confess that you have to tip okay when you do this. But when I'm at a restaurant, I love to ask a waiter or a waitress, like, hey, I'm going to be praying in a few minutes, and I would love to know if there's something I can pray for you for. Uh, you'd be surprised how often that that opens up a spiritual conversation. I love to ask people about their tattoos. Uh, I actually love, what's, what's the most common thing that we do when we bump into each other? We say, how are you doing, right? And we don't really care what they say back, right? And so one of my favorite ways to interact with someone is to say, how are you doing? And then when you respond back to me, I'm doing fine, then I'll just ask you why. So now I've called you a liar, right? Or at least I've asked you to share with me what's going on. And you know what happens when you do that? Is that so often people will tell you their story. And Philip, in his inspiration, in his work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling power of God, that he's going to be a conduit of hope. He's going to share light to this man. He's going to start where the man is. And he's going to ultimately share the truth of the gospel. This wasn't an attack. It was just filled with hope. And I, I just love this, that, that the gospel always demands a response, right? It, it, it requires us responding to it. Philip's responding to it. The disciples are responding to it. And here, this Ethiopian eunuch, the unnamed man who we believe is going to take the gospel to a new country, to a new portion of the world, what we see is that we see the gospel advance. And it's awesome. 
in the text. Like he's like, all right, what are we going to do? All right. He knows about baptism. And, and now they're like, they're in this oasis, which is really cool because literally it's the last gas for 200 miles. Remember? Like, this is it. There, there wasn't, you know, running pipes and water, and they're just in a place where this could happen. And what it says in the text, if you pick back up with me in verse 36, it says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. Uh, so, so you remember God sent them to the road at this time and this, this kind of divine pursuit that God's doing. And now there happens to be some water here. And and the statement from the eunuch is, what prevents me from being baptized? I'm going to ask that question to each one of you. Like, what's holding you back? For some of you, I don't know what's holding you back, whether it's baptism, whether it's obedience to the Lord, whether it's to be a self-feeder of God's word, whether it's that you're ashamed of the gospel. I don't know what's preventing you, but I, I like the rhetorical element of this. Like, what's, what's happening? Like, what, what am I going to do with this? And then in the New King James Version, in verse 37, it says this, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, and you, um, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This, this passage of Scripture echoes truths that are elsewhere in Scripture. And there's this, this element of this, that he's going to declare his faith, and he's going to take the step of public obedience to the Lord and baptism. In verse 38, it says this, And he had commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. The text goes on to say, And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way. And you see what it says in the text? He's rejoicing. It's actually a theme that we keep seeing through the book of Acts, and I hope it's an encouragement to you today. Is that, remember, like the, the, the church in the book of Acts was actually a lot like us today. I'm serious. Like, I'm not talking about plastics covering seats and face masks, obviously, but they're just trying to figure out what church is supposed to look like in a time period that was really unsettled. In fact, as we study the book of Acts, persecution is going to come really hard on the church. And there's going to be some really heavy things. And, and some people are going to be tempted to give up on church altogether. And, and yet, what, what we see in the text here is that, is that God's still at work. Philip gets a front row seat to, to be a part of what God's doing. In fact, this is kind of weird what happens in verse 40, but it's, it's pretty neat too. But Philip found himself at Aztus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns and he, until he came to Caesarea. He's going to go all the way up the coast. So let's put that map back up here. So, so what's great about this map is the Gaza to this, this town that's above it. Uh, it's dot, 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 because uh, we believe that the Lord miraculously carried him along, maybe like he did with Elijah in 2 Kings, the, that God's doing. I, I like to think this. That you're going to have to let me be uh, embellish this a bit, but I, I just like to think that God's showing off right now, that, that Philip took him on a journey. He took Philip on a journey, and Philip gets to see the handiwork of God. And and the next thing he knows, he's on to the next city that God's using him. And the way this verse ends, it, this chapter ends, it's, but Philip finds himself there and he passes through. As he's going through, he's preaching the gospel to all of the towns and until he comes to Caesarea. You know what's great about Philip? We don't see his name again. He wasn't a Christian celebrity. He was used by God in a mighty way in a very special time in history. But we see his name later in Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. And you know what? 
what's really neat is that we actually get to hear about his daughters. And, and it talks about his daughters being used mightily by God. And so here he is, a man who God takes his story and then later on the gospel reigns in his home. And I just think the whole family gets to be a part of what God was doing. I, I love that. I love that that's what happens. And so, so today we see that here was a man who responded with obedience, belief, baptism. That, that, that's what happened with the eunuch. What, with, with Philip, he had to leave something that was healthy and thriving and at work to start something new. And God knew exactly what the destination was, but he was going to send Philip on a journey and a process. I, I really believe for every person that's here that God is relentlessly pursuing you. Uh, by way of application, there's lots of ways to apply a message like this. For those of you who are being sought by the Lord, just let him. I mean, just encourage you. Spend time in God's word. Ask tough questions. No matter how long you've been around the church, I do counsel you to take out the book of John and just read it as if God were speaking to you and to bring your questions to the table. I think for our church family, those of you who've been a believer, I want to challenge you in a particular way. And I, I hope this question is helpful for you. And, and the question is this, do you have any questions about God that you're afraid that someone would ask you about or that you're afraid to ask? That might sound like a weird statement for a pastor to say, but, but I just want to ask you this. Like, are you afraid? I, I have helped to train people to share the gospel. And one of the most common things they say as to the reason why they don't share the gospel is they're afraid somebody's going to ask them a question that they don't have an answer for. And the follow-up question for me is, so, so what are you doing about it, right? Like, if it's a question you don't know how to answer it, then you better figure it out, right? Like, that's called having intellectual integrity. It's about caring about truth. It's believing that God's word is actually completely honest, that there's answers in God's word. And so I'm just going to ask you, like, if you could, could spend some time even this afternoon or at home today just jotting down, like, what are the questions that I'm afraid that someone would ask me? And then just start asking them. You know? I love that about being a youth pastor is that I love the fact that students often would say, like, what are you talking about? Or what do you mean? I don't get this. What's going on? And, and it, it, didn't, it didn't force me to run away from my faith. In fact, it, it did just the opposite. It made me ask the hard questions about it. For some of you, you may be afraid to ask, but the knowledge that I have of the Lord, the more that I've wrestled with it, when I choose to seek him, kind of like this Ethiopian eunuch, what I have found is that he is relentlessly pursuing me. I mean, relentlessly pursuing me. So, so today, as we wrap up this time, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads together with me. And, and I just want to celebrate with you. Everybody who can hear my voice right now, I just want to remind you that God's love for you is unstoppable that it is relentless, that he will pursue you. And the question for you is, are you able to be honest enough to respond to his pursuit? Are you willing to be a person who, I, I love Lauren's testimony, that, that when she ran into what would have been a major roadblock in her life with, with this, this horrific diagnosis of cancer, was that enough to send her into a tailspin to run when, when she talks about the, some of the chapters in the history of our church and the pain 
that, that there's parts of that, that for some people that's, that's enough to give them what they feel like is permission to run from you. Lord, I just pray in the way that only you can do that you would continue to prove yourself our pursuer. Lord, I love that you love process. And, and even in the times that we're disappointed, which I've heard on our lips through this time period, I'm just disappointed. I, I want this to go away. I want to go back to something normal. Lord, I pray for us as a church family that we would not be like those people who wanted to go back to Egypt when you were taking them to the promised land. Lord, I pray that we would be a group of people that say, Lord, I will go wherever you're calling me to go. Because really, we take you at your word. We love you. I thank you for this morning. Thank you for Hope Church family. And I ask that your word would not return void in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.